If you're trying to make any kind of meaningful, effective change in your life, well, you have come to the right place because that is what my expert guest and I are here to help you do. Welcome to We're Talking Shift. This is the podcast where all we do is talk shift because when we're stuck and need to rise to a challenge, make a health shift, a relationship or an emotional shift, well, the first thing we have to shift, my friends, is our thinking. That is the antidote to feeling stuck. I'm Lori Bischoff, and I'm so glad you're here. Now, let's get busy. Good day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another episode of We're Talking Shift. We are going to dive into a topic that, well, it's been talked about about a lot before, um, which is the insane pressure uh, put on women of all ages by, well, outside forces as well as ourselves to fulfill or live up to certain standards of beauty. But I don't, I don't think there's been a dive into it quite from this exact perspective. And that is what my guest today is here to do. She's going to give us a way to think about some of the unseen forces of these pressures and to, well, consider them from a different perspective, one that can empower us uh, maybe to make some new choices that serve us a lot better. Now, you might be thinking that this subject just doesn't really apply to you. And hey, maybe it doesn't, but maybe you have a sister or a daughter or a partner, a friend that it does, or be open here, maybe you are unknowingly contributing to the pressure. So I encourage you to just stay tuned and stay open because you might gain some insight that you did not have before. Now, let me tell you about my guest. Lauren Geertsen is a body connection coach and she is the author of The Invisible Corset, Break Free from Beauty Culture and Embrace Your Radiant Self. She is, I'm gonna hold this up for a second, real cute. It is a delightful little book. I just wanted to hold that up for people that are watching this on YouTube. Make sure you check it out. But Lauren is an intuitive mentor and a nutritional therapy practitioner, and she is crushing it, coaching people to transform their wellness with nutrition. She is a woman after my own heart there. I love that. Her health website, EmpoweredSustenance.com, has supported over 40 million readers with her holistic recipes and resources. So I cannot wait to dive into this today with her. Let's, uh, let's get her on here. Lauren, welcome to We're Talking Shift. Hey, Lori. It's so great to talk to you today. It's so good to have you here. I cannot wait. This book, first of all, I've, I'm like, I really hope it's the cover is so pretty. I'm going to like hold it way up there. It's such a pretty cover. I love it. And oh my God, there's just a lot. There's so much. So I'm glad that you're not on a hard deadline for time here because I feel like we're going to weave a, a, our way around the world a little bit here. Oh, let's do it. Let's go everywhere. Awesome. Okay. So the invisible corset, first of all, um, it's super, uh, it's a super interesting title. Um, I love that. And I want to know, you know, where did that come from and what brought about the birthing of, of this powerful little jewel here? Mm -hmm. Well, it definitely started with my own healing journey. Uh, it started when I was 14, I was diagnosed with a life-threatening autoimmune disease. Uh, so that was really challenging all through high school. Uh, I was totally enmeshed in the medical industry at that point, because 
I just only knew how to outsource my authority to the people in the white coats telling me to take medication after medication. But, you know, surprisingly, when I was just treating the symptoms, I just got worse. Uh, So by the time I was 18, I was essentially bedridden with this autoimmune disease. And at that point, there was, it was the first time in my like adult life that I remember hearing clearly the voice of my intuition. And I, I picked up this book that outlined a dietary protocol for addressing autoimmunity. Now, my doctors, I had all these voices in my head from my doctors saying nutrition won't help, you know, medication is the only way to go. But I held this book and this little voice inside me said, I have to try this. Within three days, my acute symptoms are gone. I was up walking around, feeling better. In three months, I was off all my meds. It felt like such a miracle, you know, and it was this radical perception change that influenced my work and the creation of this book, because I realized my body wasn't against me. Mm -hmm. She was the one who told me to do this. She knew what she needed to heal. I just needed to listen to her. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, the medical industry describes autoimmunity as your body trying to kill you. Yeah. Right. So (laughs) seems really counterintuitive. I've never been able to buy what they're selling around that. I just can't. It's, it's so a lot of people have that mentality and we'll go into this around the book, but it also feeds into the mentality and beauty culture where women begin to learn that our body, our appearance is against us. Our body is somehow fighting against us being beautiful and fulfilled. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's also that narrative in the medical industry. And so from there, I started my health blog. I started training as a nutritional therapist and helping other people on their autoimmune journey. Mm -hmm. And so that is where the second big paradigm shift happened for me that led up to the book. It was realizing that nutrition and supplements gets us so far in our journey, but then there's a point where we have to go beyond the rule book, right? Learn how to tune into our own intuition, not just around food, but lifestyle choices, relationship choices, spiritual choices, sexual choices. And if we don't, we're not going to reach the next level of healing in our life. Yeah, exactly. I can relate to that so well because that is exactly why I'm not a niche coach. I'm Mm. a holistic life coach because all of those things you just mentioned, they're all connected and each area affects the other area. So you can't just say, I only want to work on my diet and my health and not tackle all the other stuff going on. Or you can't just work on your relationship and not work on your health and your, you know, the psychology of why you do what you do. And to your point, they're all connected. So you got to address the whole package there. Totally. And because they're all connected, that's where the invisible corset comes in. The invisible corset I realized was the set of beliefs that was uh, holding women back from getting in touch with that intuitive wisdom in themselves. Uh, It was this belief that they had to control and dominate their body like a machine rather than trust it like a partner. And because of that, they were held back from their intuitive wisdom in all those areas. Mm -hmm. And so that getting out of the corset and freeing our minds from that belief, instead of just funneling all our money and energy, trying to change our external appearance, that's where true freedom happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, um, I remember when I was like, I don't know, 17, 18, somewhere in there. <clears throat> and I actually grew up in the modeling industry and I was doing a, a shoot with, um, with a friend and we w- were in corsets. Mm. 
they they weren't easy to find. Um, (laughs) They weren't easy to find, but yes, lo and behold, if you search hard enough, you'll find what you're looking for. We found found these corsets for this shoot and I was like, oh my gosh. I mean, can you imagine being bound up in this, this piece of equipment all day, every day, and then put that in like a region like in the deep south where it's hot and humid and you can't breathe even when you're naked barely so yep. i'm like it's it's crazy and so i think that the just the, the constriction of that and the reason for the constriction of it is so interesting um, because that's what that's what we're talking about here is is the constriction and the reason that we try to contort ourselves into these various right. contortions, right? right? And jump through these hoops. Uh, yeah. And I would say that women today, many women are that uncomfortable mm-hmm. because we're not wearing a physical corset, but the invisible corset are the beliefs that make us as restricted and uncomfortable as these traditional corsets once did. Like any woman who's had an eating disorder, I had anorexia when I was 11, mm-hmm. for sure that was as uncomfortable, right? And restricting. Um, almost as a physical garment or with women who I work with now, you know, maybe they're in their sixties and they've been yo-yo dieting their whole life that limits their freedom, their joy, you know, their ability to travel everything. Um, so that's, that's really where this, this new consciousness shift in the world is happening. We're no longer looking at a physical limitations. Now we're moving on to what are the mental limitations. Yeah, I love it. So let me ask you the so the subtitle of the book is uh, break free from beauty culture and embrace your radiant self, which I love. But you know, a lot of people might look at that at first glance and go, well, how could I embrace my radiant self? If I break free from beauty, because the association to that is so to, you know, the to the outer package is so connected and so intertwined with a person's definition, I guess, of being beautiful and radiant. Totally. Well, the beauty culture, as I define it, and this is a really key piece uh, for people listening is beauty culture is the internalized belief that a woman's appearance is connected to her worth. So on an intellectual level, most women are like, I know that my self-worth is God given, or it's deeper than that. It's not about a number on a scale. But every time we get on the scale and we see the number has risen, we have that like instantaneous fear reaction. It's almost like an emotional allergic reaction. This is indicating that this belief is so deep in our subconscious that even if on an intellectual level, we know it's not true, we emotionally react as if it is right. And so this is where it does apply to men who are listening because we've all been steeped in this way of thinking, this invisible belief system. So this is something for men to look at how that comes into play into their relationships, their attractions in their life. Um, when women and um, our, our younger generation, especially recognizing this and uh, you know, the key in the book, the first half of the book is looking at these beliefs that we've internalized that make up the corset. The second half of the book is how do we reconnect with our true self? And this yeah. is that essential self-worth, that, that divine aspect of ourselves who is unique. And the cool thing here is that part of you, that part of anyone is intrinsically radiant. It's so magnetic. It's so powerful. And something I tell my clients all the time, and sometimes it's a stretch for them when they first start working with me, but your energy speaks louder than your appearance. 
you know, it speaks volumes more and there's so much freedom in, uh, in realizing that. Mm -hmm. I, I can't agree more with that. The energy is, is it's everything. It's absolutely everything. And, you know, when you can, when somebody understands what you're talking about, when you say your energy and they understand what you mean, when you say you're vibrating at a really low energy and what it means to up-level that vibration, when they get it, I mean, it's just, it's, they radiate, they get it, they understand it. But when they, but when people just can't connect that part, it's just, uh, it's hard for them to really embrace, you know, this concept and embrace that it's all about the energy. Mm -hmm. Um, and, Mm -hmm. and it's so easy for them to just kind of fall back into the, well, the, the, the psychology of it's all from the outside. Right. And you know, that's why I do, I, I give a pretty intellectual historical grounding to this Mm -hmm. book, especially in the beginning, because I recognize a lot of people are going to be turned off if I start talking energy right from the get-go. It's going to sound a little <laughs> right. woo-woo. It's going to sound a little airy-fairy. Yeah. And while I'm completely in that world, I've had a lot of psychic and intuitive awakenings in my life. I'm also a deeply like, intellectually grounded person. Mm-hmm. So it's, I, I think it's really cool that we can come at this conversation from all these different levels, you know, because people yes. are going to resonate with, with different approaches here. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, and I feel the same way. I I feel very powerfully about the the spiritual aspect, the energetic aspect. But I also feel like we have a brain and the ability to logic and reason too. And you don't just you don't just go with one or the other. You yes. you know you figure out the the harmony, the har- harmonious relationship between both of them. To me, that's kind of like that's my happy place anyway uh for sure and i'm gonna i gotta tell you though when i first started reading my first few pages i don't remember what it was now but um at first i was like oh wait a second now is this gonna be like a you know a like burn your bras and don't shave your armpits anymore and throw all your makeup in the fire and i was like i don't know i don't know about that and i was getting a little twitchy about it more <laughs> understand. <laughs> it's like, I kind of, I, you know, I have yet to find a comfortable bra. So I, I'm, I'm down with that part. Oh, it's true and co. Okay. This changed my life. I think, I think this, I'm saying the company, right. T R U and company, um, non underwire, so comfortable light support, but they look nice. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> oh, thank you. Let's note that Christy. Yep. <laughs> go back to that. Oh my God. So yeah, I'm down with burning those, but I was like, but I, I am kind of partial to some of my makeup, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, and we'll get into that again later. Mm-hmm. But, but the point I was going to make is my intuition kept saying, just keep reading, just keep reading. There's, there's nuggets here. Just be open. So I'm, I'm not going to lie. I had a, just a little bit of that at first, but then I was like, oh, this is good. Then my highlighter came out, which it always does. Every book I own and I have thousands are full of post-its and highlighters and yours is no different. Um, so I was, I was so glad that I kept going with it. Um, so what I want to ask you now is I'm just curious because because you do go into some of the things that you just mentioned, did you get any like pressure or, or pushback from any particular groups slay on kind of the content and like, oh no, we, you know, you should lean more this way or lean less that way. Or did you have any of that that you had to sort of go, mm, thanks, but no thanks? Yeah. Well, the, you know, it really reflected um, 
the approach that I've taken on my blog. And that's really what drew the publisher to me in the first place and drew my team to me, you know, having a background in health research and some unpopular opinions, but always just being grounded in a spiritual research-based intellectual approach. So there was a lot of harmony there, but I will say the um, social justice uh, kind of woke troop. Um, so that, that mentality did give me uh, some, some people who were contributing in this process gave me some pushback because I didn't disclaim my term woman, uh, the use of the word woman in this book, um, which I'm not going to, you know, I, we can have that conversation on another day, but uh, I feel, I feel good about my decision there because really yeah. what this book is about in the end is stepping into your truest self and I really champion whatever that looks like for anybody else, because I am so strong in my identity that I'm not threatened at all. Yeah. You know, if somebody has a different conception of that, I personally don't, I'm not on board with gender identity ideology, mm -hmm. but I don't have a problem with people who are, it's just yeah. not my thing to, to play with. Um, so I will say that there was that kind of a discord, but otherwise I, yeah, everything was yeah. totally in alignment. Well, bravo to you for saying no, thanks, but no thanks. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I respect I respect what you're doing, but that's not um, that's not how I'm doing. It's not it. my cup of tea. Yeah, just, just yeah. not. I like it. I like it because yeah. it's not easy these days. I mean, people like when I say people, I mean like companies, corporations, entities are massive entities, and and people that um, have a lot of credibility and clout and pull are crumbling at the first whisper of, oh no, you, you can't do that anymore or say that anymore. And it's, um, it's very um, disappointing to say the least. Yeah. Well, you know, I think there's a lot of uh, cult like thinking that's happening in the world in all these different areas. And personally, I really found myself pulled into the social justice internet culture a few years ago. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad I had that experience. Um, and it really does, you know, it attracts really deeply well-meaning, big-hearted people um, because our underlying goals are the same goals of helping humanity and the power of love, overcoming the, the love of power and, you know, beautiful things like that. But what can happen and what I'm seeing happen with the, um, the woke culture online, especially how it's like turning into the antithesis of enlightenment, because so many people now, like you have mobs on Twitter, sending death threats to people who they disagree with on trans issues or feminist issues or racial issues. That's not woke. No. Like if, yeah, unless you're, if you don't have the tolerance to sit down and listen to a person and like kind of come in with assuming best intentions on their part, you're not woke. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it really is a cult like mentality that has infected really beautiful goals. Uh, you know, it's this mental coercion. It's the, you know, I, I feel like this is, I'm actually going into this in my next book, understanding how we can identify when there are cult like thinking patterns and forced belief systems at play. Mm -hmm. Cause we do see that in the social justice movement right now. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. 
I love that conversation and we could spend like another couple <laughs> I know we could go off so. on a rabbit trail there. <laughs> okay, so yeah. I'll, I'll swing back around um, and it is kind of connected here anyway, mm -hmm. this next question. So you talk a lot about the psychological abuse of the beauty industry. Um, so let's talk about what you mean by that because, you know, on the surface, you'd be like most women. Well, it seems like they're just trying to help us. <laughs> so, right. so let's dive into that a little bit. Let's do it. So yeah. a psychological abuser is somebody who says, I have your best interest at heart and I love you, but their actions tell a different story. Their actions say, I am exploiting you. And typically it's exploitation of your finances, your energy, your sexuality, or your psychic power, or your intuition. Sometimes it's a combination of all of those. When it comes to the beauty industry and beauty culture, I think it is all of those resources that are being exploited from women by these industries. Um, and so, you know, when women say, I'm making certain beauty choices because it makes me feel good, it makes me feel confident, therefore it's empowering to me. Well, it can be true that beauty products can support the expression of your true self. Like that's why I don't say go burn your bras and makeup. I have friends who have gone through this process of taking off their invisible corset. They have so much feminine energy. They wear makeup, they wear their boobs out, they have big hair, it's like Dolly Parton kind of. And right. that they shine. That's truly their true self. Yeah. But it's another question entirely when we are buying our confidence back from the industry that stole mm -hmm. it from us in the first place. Mm -hmm. That's not empowerment. That is called an abusive relationship right? That's like the woman who goes back to her abusive partner um, because he gives her money or sex or makes her feel good temporarily, but then turns around the next minute and continues to verbally berate her or hit her right. or whatever. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's good because it would be very hard to look at it that way. But when you actually do go, well, wait a second, let me think about this for a minute. And you do actually think about it for more than just a minute. You go, yeah, you know, there is so much, any magazine cover, you know, that you pick up at any given moment is talking about, you know, being empowered and being your authentic self. I'm so tired of that word, honestly. <laughs> it was a beautiful word and now it's just watered down. Right. But right. anyway, okay. Um, but, uh, you know, all of the empowering, be yourself, be your true self, be your authentic self, be, you know, you can do anything. All of the messaging on all of the magazines, let's just say, but you can't yeah. get through one page, one page without the products and the fixes and bingo and the cosmetic right. surgeons being interviewed yes. and saying, Oh, well, if your face is too big, if your nose is too big, then right. here's a surgery to help. Like who the F gets to decide yeah. a part yes. of your body is wrong. Like, yes. And it's such a mind flip that it's, it, it's so insidious that it is a bit difficult to, to realize. And one of the things that hit home for me and helped me realize this was well, first of all, I wasn't in an abusive relationship before writing this book. So I had firsthand experience recognizing these dynamics and learning about them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there are a few techniques that abusive people, industries, institutions will use. Uh, one is keeping you so busy that you don't have time to question the paradigm that you're in. Okay. So now we have like 15 step skincare routines. We have all these devices you're supposed to use at home and constant workout routines. How in the world, if you're trying to keep up with that, you don't have time to right. self-reflect. Now, yeah. the reason this is a technique that abusers use is because it keeps us in the sympathetic state of the nervous system, the fight or flight state, right? So that shuts down 
both our logic and intuition and our brain, it shuts down the rational centers of our thinking. And then it actually um, reduces activity of the vagus nerve, which carries intuitive messages from the gut to the brain to be interpreted. So it's like a double whammy, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It's so funny you say that. I have to tell you this little story. So I, um, I, a couple of days ago, I was on the weekend, I think it was Saturday morning. I was like, oh, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to relax and I'm going to take, take a, a bath. I don't usually take the time for a bath. I get my bath run. I get my, I, I had a few pages of your book left. So I was like, I got the book. I got my bath. I got my like friggin' Epsom salts in there and my baking soda. Cause that's what Dr. Christian Northrop said to use. Oh, yeah, I don't know great, why, but she it's a says great it's, energy cleanser. It cleans so, off your aura. Yeah. So I was doing that and <laughs> I'm reading the book, but right after I got in, I realized, oh, <laughs> I forgot my, my special cleanser, oh. <laughs> and which is part of my product line. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I, and, and I, and I literally have the book open and I have this, this, you know, realization that I forgot a, to put a product. And I was like, oh, now I have to get out of the tub and go dripping water across to my sink and get my special cleanser as I'm gripping your book. And I, and then I just started to laugh at myself <laughs> and I'm like, do I really need to get out and go get my special cleanser? I mean, is my face going to fall off or am I going to like turn into the portrait of Dorian Gray if I don't use my cleanser this one time? And I just, I was like, this is going to be awesome. I can't wait to share this when we talk. <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm not going to get up and go get my cleanser. So that was like my big empowering moment. Taking <laughs> off your corset right there. Right. Well, I yeah. love that. And, be, you know, I, I, personally used to be very wedded to a very complex skincare routine. That was just, it was way too much money. It was way too much. I was, you know, trying to buy products left and right thinking, oh, if this one will give me clear skin, then I'll finally be happy. That's when, you know, it's kind of a toxic cycle, but I now, because I'm out of that way of thinking, I can really enjoy the sensuality and the loveliness of a few wonderful products. You know, I'm, I really love well-blended essential oils and um, facial oils and things like that. My friend makes some amazing ones. So it's like, Strangely and ironically enough, the more you free yourself from the obligation and from acting out of fear, right? There's a lot of fear of aging, fear of not being perfect enough. Well, then you're free to enjoy it all the more because it is choice. It's freedom. And there's, you know, more self-celebration in there. Right, right. And I'm glad you said that because it's one of the things I really wanted to make clear um, in our conversation for listeners is that nobody is saying oh, don't, don't spend your money on that. Don't fall into that trap. Don't, don't do any plastic surgery ever for any reason. Don't wear your, you know, it's not about that. It's really about looking deeply into, into your motivation for what is your why? Why are you doing this? And what what do you think that it's going to bring you or give you what that's really, it's the, it's the next layer of why you do those things. Right. It's getting to who is your true self versus who is your false self. So I talk about this in the section where I talk about um, the beauty industry being an abuser. You know, whenever we're in a toxic societal system or belief system, we develop a false self. It's basically a program self that acts in the best interest of the abuser, of the governing industry or agency or whatever, a person, whatever it may be. So we can say, oh, I am you know, making this decision because it's truly my opinion. You don't know what your true opinion is when you're under that kind of mind control. Now, if you get out of the mind control, it might still be your true opinion. 
it yeah. might be, but you actually don't know. And so there's this process of like detoxing the programming, getting to your true self. And once you're there, you can actually make a, a decision that's in your best interest. Mm -hmm. So I give examples like Dita Von Tees, definitely in her true self. I can see that from her energy. She has just this, you know, lovely self celebratory, uh, radiant piece about her. I, I think Dolly Parton's another example of a woman who has, a, she uses all the accoutrements of beauty culture, not because she's trying to meet uh, an external beauty standard. She says herself, she looks silly. <laughs> it's because that's her true self. She loves it. She loves it. And then there's people like me who go through the process and I stopped wearing makeup on a daily basis. I realized it was coming from a place of obligation and shame and inadequacy. Hmm. That didn't feel right. Um, I started wearing much more comfortable clothing. Like I did burn my underwire bras, people quote burn them, <laughs> um, you know, I stopped with the skin tight dresses and, you know, I, it was really a fun process actually, because I found my unique clothing style. I love fabrics. I love good tailoring. I love all that stuff. So it doesn't mean like I reject yeah. any of that, but it yeah. just means it's truer to me and it's more comfortable to me. Yeah. I love that. So, so how does one distinguish, would you say? Uh, between what they believe to be their choices and mm. and their personal desires and preferences mm -hmm. um, and being under the influence of brainwashing. How mm -hmm. if it's somebody is like, mm. I mean, like I hadn't really thought about this, the, the things in your book in the way that you positioned them and, you know, and, and how you, um, the credibility behind everything that you say. I mean, it's all there. You have, you have, this is not just you going, I think this, and I think that it's not about your personal beliefs. It's, there's a lot of really amazing, um, stuff to back up everything that you're saying. Um, and so throughout my own journey, um, I'm probably twice, twice your age. So I've, I've had quite a journey and, um, and I started out as a, at age five in the, in the modeling world. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's been, and there's things that I, that I love. I have done some plastic surgery. I've done some of those things, but I think I've done them for the right reasons. I feel, I feel good about, it. I don't have regrets. Mm -hmm. Let me just say that. Um, but, um, but now I'm like, okay, there's still there. I think there's still some stuff here. And then I started thinking more about it and I was like, you know, how long did it take me not anymore, but there was a long period of time where I was like, I can't, I can't go to the store without having some makeup on or mm -hmm. God forbid, I do decide to run out and hope and pray that you don't see somebody, you know, I mean, has that ever happened? I know so many of us have been like, Oh, I saw so-and-so in the store. Unfortunately, they didn't see me first. And I was able to duck behind, you know, the bread counter or, or whatever. You know, you literally hide. Yep, it's ridiculous. Yep. And I'm like, I was there at one point. I'm not now. I, I, I'm fine going to the store without any makeup on. I don't care. But um, but there are just, there's little things, I think, if you start kind of connecting dots along the way and questioning your own behavior around certain things like that, that that is um, indicative of yeah. maybe a little bit of yeah. Subscribe. It's such a, it's such a good question. So like, how, how do we know when we're acting yeah. from coercion versus, um, our own choices? Yeah. Right. Okay. So a couple things, the first is, is there fear influencing your decision? Now this might be a little like, of course, there's always fear influencing my decision, but that really indicates there's a lot of fear around this topic that doesn't need to be there. So like a big one that I talk about in my book is fear of aging. 
mm-hmm. um, you know, women dyeing their hair or, you know, using anti-aging um, processes or procedures, not because it's truly self-celebrating, but because that fear of aging goes so deep in our culture. Like I talked about when I was 16, I spent $80 of my babysitting money. I was making six bucks an hour babysitting. (laughs) I choose to spend that on a fancy top shelf eye cream because all these beauty gurus online said, oh, it's better to quote uh, prevent rather than treat wrinkles as if there's some kind of disease. And I saw them as some kind of disease, you know, or I see my friends when they're 25 getting preventative Botox or freaking out when they have gray hair for the first time. So uh, when actions, anti-aging actions stem from that, that's a reflex of fear Mm -hmm. and that's not empowering, right? Um, So another thing to look at is, does it make you physically more comfortable? Mm -hmm. Asking that of our beauty choices. Uh, So (laughs) since I stopped wearing jeans and uncomfortable pants and underwire bras, and uh, mascara most days because I find it much more comfortable to be able to rub my eyes or cry when I want to, or, you know, or jump in a swimming pool. I cut my hair because that feels most physically comfortable, not because I thought that it would necessarily look better. Um, And so that's, that's a big piece to consider as well. Um, And it's a stretch for a lot of women because we're taught that our comfort comes from being desired by other people. And our comfort comes from uh, a, kind of satisfying the toxic, uh, beliefs we have in our mind, but that's like more numbing than actually finding true comfort, true physical comfort. So it really is about reconnecting to what does it feel like to be in your body? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a big piece there. Uh, you know, and, and some days, even when I'm all alone, it feels really comfortable for me to put on red lipstick because I just feel like the energy buzz, it feels expressive. Yeah. So yeah. Exactly. And I, you know, I have, like I said, a lot of friends who are just have a lot of feminine energy and it feels totally right and comfortable for them to spend an hour every morning doing their makeup routine because they don't feel like that takes away from their day that gives to their day. It genuinely right. does. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I, and I get that. I, I think probably when I was a teenager, when I could start wearing makeup, <laughs> the thousands of hours <laughs> spent <laughs> doing that, I look back and go, you know, um, had there been the internet back then and had, uh, I, I probably could have spent those thousands of hours making, like becoming a teenage millionaire right. <laughs> the amount of effort I put into that. But it was just fun. It was yeah. fun for me. It was it just, is. it's fun. It was a creative outlet and it mm-hmm. was just, and it was fun. And I guess, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe part of that was just the growing up in the industry that I grew up in. It was just like all kind of part and parcel. But- right. Right. And I want young women to know, like, Yes, makeup can be totally fun and self-expressive. And if you if you felt like you genuinely had other alternatives to invest that creative energy in, you know, there would be, I think, a, a greater sense of choice around that. And I'm sure a lot of young women would still want to spend their time and energy playing around with makeup because it is inherently fun. But I think others would feel more liberated and less pressured so that they could invest their energy in other areas. Right, right. Yeah, it's really, it, it really is a two-sided coin. It really mm-hmm. is. Yeah. Right. It's um, like, I can't, that's where I wrote the book is because I can't say, here's your prescription for getting out of beauty culture. It looks like wearing this and not wearing this. Nope. It Here's your prescription. Go get in touch with your intuition. Yeah. 
Totally. That's, that's seriously what it really boils down to at the very heart of the matter is, mm-hmm. is, is tapping into that. Um, okay. So let's talk for a minute about the metaphor of the corset because the invisible corset you say have five strings. Mm-hmm. So, um, do you want to like quick touch on each of those, the internalized beliefs? Okay, let's do that. So the first string is fear. I kind of touched on this already. This is all the ways that our culture teaches women to be afraid of the natural expression of our bodies. So fear of aging is a big one, fear of our body size, of our natural body weight, uh, our skin, but then there's also fear of our intuition, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's not logical. We're taught to make logical choices that we can explain to other people that other people will approve of. Well, that you don't get that if you're making intuitive choices sometimes. Right. <laughs> so, right. Uh, and then uh, fear of our emotions, the whole natural spectrum of our emotions, the pharmaceutical industry definitely plays a role in trying to narrow the quote appropriate spectrum or appropriate duration of our emotions. Uh, and there's a lot of other societal forces that teach us to, um, to numb that instead of, uh, really tuning in and looking at what we're being called to change in our life. Um, and so that comes from, from fear, basically of the natural expression of our bodies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, okay. So let me ask you this. Um, mm-hmm. and I'm going to read a, one of your, one of the things that you said in the book, it's, um, I'll quote it, um, modern day feminism feminism is focused on victimization and women being victims. The invisible corset is something we agree to and do to ourselves. So that is, and I am harping all the time on a victim mentality. It's, and it just seems like bizarrely, it's become more and more prevalent across anyway, our country. It's become a social currency. Yeah, it's, um, it's, 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 and it's like been turned to sweep back the tide and I'm constantly, it's a big part of, um, work with clients and now it's just like, it's everywhere. So, um, so to touch a little bit on the whole aspect of that, as it relates to modern day feminism. Mm-hmm. Well, when we, if we're talking about Western culture, like women in mm-hmm. America, there aren't patriarchal laws anymore, right? We're not under obligation by law or force to spend our money, you know, $200,000 on average in our lifetime on beauty, which is spending more money on beauty than our education. Is that oppressing? Oppressive? I think so. I think it's pretty oppressive that we are focusing as women, our energies on our external fleeting appearance rather than nourishing our minds or spending that money on life coaching, relationship coaching, sex coaching, whatever would make you truly happier in your life. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we are making that choice ourselves. Like, yes, there's social programming and social pressures at play, but at the end of the day, we are making that choice. And if, you know, the thing is, if we aren't making the choice, then we don't have the power to free ourselves and to become happier and more liberated. So the more responsibility and choice we can accept, the more change and freedom we can accept in our life. Um, does, I mean, I know that resonates with you. It's like this concept of radical self-responsibility is the only keys to freedom. Right, right. And that is how this victim mentality is really harming well, not everyone, but in, in the context of our conversation, women, it's that victim mentality. And it's yep. just, it's, it's, uh, 
Yeah. And I mean, I think it's really important to look at social justice aspects, to look at the historical um, forces that have played a role here, that have shaped our culture. And we can look at that without signing over our responsibility for our lives. Mm -hmm. Like, that's what I think. Yeah, no, I think so too. I mean, so if you decide, you know, I've been a victim or me and my, my uh, tribe here have been a victim. Mm -hmm. How do you, I don't understand how this mentality thinks that they are going to, um, to overcome, to rise above it, you know, by hanging onto it and just clutching it so tightly and wearing it like a crown, right. you know what I mean? There's just, there's, where's the out? Right. Well, I think it comes down to the concept of wound power, which is a strategy that mm -hmm. people use often unconsciously to try to get things in their life through their pain by holding on to the pain. I'm sure you see this with clients all the time. I mean, this is what we do as coaches is we help people let go of their wound power so they can actually use like true soul power or intuitive power or the power of love in their life. So mm -hmm. I think that we're just seeing this cultural culmination of people who the only strategy they know to feel good about themselves or to get anything in their life is through wound power, right? And this book is about, yeah. okay, it is worth it to give up the wound power. You do get some benefits from that, right? You do get some social victim points. You, you get um, help, you get handouts in whatever way or shape or form that looks like. Mm -hmm. You get attention. You get attention. You get Bingo. Bingo. Yes. And the message here is like, it's worth giving that up because the freedom you have on the other side of it and the contact that you have with your soul is um, just so much uh, more rewarding. Yeah. It's more rewarding and it's more, it's more uh, honest. Mm -hmm. it it's truly, pure. it's truly, yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to say it. Honest and pure. Yeah. It's, it's, it's above the, the stuff, you, yeah. you know, you just to be, it's that, uh, what is that Einstein quote? Um, you know, you can't solve a problem in, in the same place. With the same thinking that you used when you, you created the problem. You created, yeah. And this is the big issue that I have with the social justice movement right now is like, they're trying to solve oppression with resentment and anger, or, mm -hmm. you know, a sense of entitlement for the harm that has been done in past generations. And Again, like I said, we need to look at social forces and, and um, ways of thinking that are still influencing us today. But at the same point, there comes right. a, a time to give up the wound power. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because what's happening is there's this, the, what it's being conflated, something from the past that can't be changed uh, with something maybe that's still lingering in certain aspects now. Mm -hmm. But to conflate the two is is... I think it's just incorrect and it's yeah. not, and it's not looking for a solution. Then it's just, it's looking for the other things we talked about. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah. There we go again. Yeah. I know we're, <laughs> we're off on the rabbit trail. Okay. We can come back. Should I go to the next string of the corset? Yes. Let's, okay. Yes. <laughs> okay. So the next string is domination. So okay. this is the ways that we have um, been taught to see our body as an object we own rather than a being whom we're in partnership with. So in the book, I go into a bigger historical picture of an ancient goddess worshiping societies. There was much more of a sense of partnership with nature, with our bodies, with other people, 
Um, and then that shifted gradually over time, especially with the implementation of more patriarchal societies and patriarchal religion. And now it's something we don't really question, but yeah. it's like, we, we don't know that sense of self-partnership that used to exist. Mm -hmm. And so that is a similar theme for the next string, which is disconnection. And this is the ways that we've been separated from what I like to call um, courtesy of Martha Beck, <laughs> the energy internet, right? This is the energetic communication that is between the human body and other bodies and all of nature. But when we disconnect from our bodies, we lose touch with mm -hmm. that um, invisible language. Mm -hmm. And so this is why in indigenous cultures, you know, people were able to communicate telepathically uh, they were able to sense the presence of water underground, um, sense the optimal nutrient needs for the human body without any source of measuring or weighing or anything like that. Blood work, <laughs> blood panels. <laughs> Bingo. Yep. Um, you know, they were able to intuit the healing properties of plants. Yeah. The plants would literally sing the healing properties they had to offer. I've experienced this myself and it is truly an invisible language. All of nature is talking to us. So the beautiful thing is when we can take off the invisible corset, reconnect with that intuitive wisdom within us, then we unlock these unique healing gifts. You know, some people are plant intuitive. Some people are animal intuitive. Some mm -hmm. people have that connection in other areas of their life. And in order to have the global healing we need right now, like people let's, let's get in touch with our gifts here. Yeah. Yeah, so, exactly. Um, yeah. okay, cool. So that was okay. the, that was the third one. Okay. The fourth string is mechanization. And so this is how basically the scientific uh, Western worldview has turned the body into a machine rather than a spiritual being. Um, I, like I said, I come from a health research background. I have a decade in that. It really was a big piece of my personal journey. So I see the importance of a scientific perspective. I also see its limitations we have to do again, this big historical perspective of looking at how indigenous cultures saw the earth as a wise living being. Right. Mm -hmm. And then we had this concept of there is divinity within the human body that we can trust. Uh, and as we in the Western world transitioned um, through the scientific revolution, especially with Descartes and his uh, idea that the, the mind is separate from the body, Right. Well, that eventually became throwing out uh, spirituality or any yeah. kind of intuition from the body altogether. And that's where we are now. We are in this reductionistic materialistic paradigm mm -hmm. that's not scientifically accurate. Like, right. It's not supported by our most uh, recent scientific research, but it's a dogma that sticks around and that influences um, how we see our, our body as lacking this yeah. intuitive, deep wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. And I have that conversation too with, with clients frequently about learning to listen that your body has a language and it is telling you things. It's telling you what it wants. It's telling you what it doesn't want, but most people are so disconnected from it. They either don't hear it at all. They don't even know it exists or they choose to ignore it. They just override it you know, one of those several things is what happens. But once they start to figure out how to, how to listen and understand and start to communicate, you know, then there's a shift that happens. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. There's so yeah. much healing there. Yeah. yeah. 
And then yeah. the last string, we I feel like we really touched on this well, it's coercion, which yes. is the invisible, um, you know, propaganda, mind control, brainwashing that's at play that uh, has us make decisions that are in the best interest of the beauty industry rather than mm -hmm. our own best interest. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit more about that. Um, so the section in that chapter on coercion about um, psychological abuse, and we touched on this a little bit, but I want to get into it um, in a, a broader perspective. So like you, you're talking in that particular section about the parallel tactics of a psychological abuser's messages, and then the messages of the beauty culture as well as society, um, and the under underlying messages that, um, you know, if we trust our intuition over their authority, we will sabotage not only ourselves, but those we care about too. Bingo. Yep. Um, so I think that, you know, and you've just been speaking a lot about that, you know, intuition and everything, but that, that thing about over my authority really <clears throat> makes me that whole that whole word authority just pisses me off anyway. I don't like it. I never have. So, right, right. so I just was I was really happy to see that. And and I think that there's yeah, there seems to be a blind spot, I think, a lot of times where we um, can just easily, you know, cede our decisions to this self-appointed authority in our lives. Well, that's be I think our whole culture has taught us to outsource our mm -hmm. intuition, like from the moment we enter school, the school mm -hmm. system, the medical system, the food system, uh, the legal system. I mean, yeah. government, I mean, you could just go on and on at this point of yeah. this is how we're trained. Right. And it's, it's coming to a point in the world right now. It's coming to a big point. So let's talk about that a minute. Now, there's um, there's in that same chapter, the specific section on coercion versus consent. I want to read this um, quote. Consent is the ability to make a decision with free will and free will exists only if we can make a decision without the influence of fear. Leveraging fear, including guilt and shame, is a manipulative strategy to influence someone's choice. And I'm reading that and I'm like, this is what has got me all up in arms with what's going on right now with our health, to put it broadly, but I'm going to yeah. say more specifically with yeah. with COVID and you know, and the supposed cure, the injection, all of this stuff. I'm feeling like there is, and I'm not obviously the only one, but the the massive amount of coercion that's been going on is, I don't know how you can't see it. Right. Right. Well, you know, I've been thinking about this a lot too. I mean, it's, it's right, really heavy on my heart. And it seems like people, the most important question humans need to ask themselves right now is, is this a reality that is accurate or is this a reality that other people are invested in me believing? Mm -hmm. It's a simple question. Is this a fabricated reality that other people have an interest in creating for me or is this accurate reality? And I feel really grateful that I've had, <laughs> there's a great quote, which is due to unfortunate circumstances, I am awake. <laughs> so <laughs> due to some very unfortunate circumstances, I am awake to when people leverage existential fear and paranoia uh, yeah. in order to craft an artificial reality 
with the intention of controlling people. Yeah. This is what we're seeing right now in the world. Yeah. The whole world, the whole world. And it, you know, so it's a spiritual battle. What's interesting is that I am hearing that more from the like conservative Christian community, which I don't resonate in all ways with, but on that platform, I'm like, yep, I completely agree because this is a spiritual battle for the free will of every single human, because when fear is utilized, injected in such a way like this, where it is, um, so invisible and insidious and Mm shame-based, we're losing free will by the minute and by Mm -hmm. the hour. Um, and so there's a spiritual concept that I, I talk to my clients about, and it's the idea that love gives choice and fear takes choice away, you know, and this is why in Judeo-Christian tradition, it is, um, you know, God could have forced humans into, uh, obeying him, her, whatever. Um, but God didn't right. Because he wants a relationship with us. He wants us to choose out of our own free will Mm -hmm. to follow a spiritual path. Okay. But the dark side is like, I need to force and coerce you because if you had full information and full free will here, you wouldn't choose to go with us because we actually don't have a lot to offer you. We don't have the best to offer you. Love does have the best offer. It does have the highest and greatest good mm-hmm. for everyone in the end. And so it can afford to give fully informed consent. It can, inf- it can afford to say, go look at every other opinion, go look yeah. at all these different perspectives because I trust if you're seeing things correctly, if you sit with it in your heart, you use your logic, you use your intuition, you're going to come to me in the end. Yes. Use your logic and your intuition. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's, it's a, it's a lot right now. And I think, um, the, the effort that has been made, um, using, um, you know, leveraging all of these things that, that any, um, dime store psychologist even understands mm-hmm. about leveraging fear, guilt, shame, so that it's not just authority coming on the news saying, this is what you need to do. You know, if you, you, you get a, a certain element of society to buy into what you're selling, and then they'll go out and do a lot of the work for you by, you know, by pointing the finger going, oh, you, if you, if you loved me and cared about the rest of us, you would do this too. And that's how a cult works. That's how you know it's a cult. Yeah. And that is what is really, I'm so disappointed in, in, in so many, um, so much of the thought processing, let me just say going on here with so many that are, you know, there, there's, there's one group that says, look, I'm, this is not for me. I don't buy what they're selling. I don't want this. I'm not getting it. I'm not doing it. It's just, I'm not buying it. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that you don't think that there's actually, you know, uh, people aren't getting sick. People are getting sick. We don't, there's no denying that. Absolutely. But the cause and the supposed solution those things are still really in the mystery zone. Right. So in the big picture, you know, like, are we really getting the accurate data on on 
PCR tests and, and cases. And now we have the data coming in around lockdowns weren't effective, but the, you know, hypothetical computer modeling of lockdowns before we actually had human data said they were effective. Well, let's look at the human data rather yeah. than the hypothetical computer, you know, yeah. theorizing. Yeah. yeah. So, 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 the, so you've got this, you know, one group saying, look, not for me, not for me. Mm-hmm. You do you, and that's mm-hmm. fine. If you, if you want to buy it, if you want to be injected, go do it. Bless your heart. I'm glad it, if that's your choice. Mm-hmm. But the other group, the one that wants that, isn't so. Um, <laughs> it's not like we're playing on the same board game here. It's like, no, you must, or you it's are just the most evil thing that. Right. That, I mean, exactly. Exactly. And that's how, you know, because when there is brittleness and defensiveness instead of curiosity and ease, that's when, you know, there's mind control, there's manipulation and there's fear, you know? And this is why like you and me, we can be like, well, you know, it's not my cup of tea. I'm not going to do it, but I don't feel the need to go knock on your doorstep and scream, you know, insults at you. Right. Because, you know, it is, it's that place of, uh, set, you know, love gives choice. We, we don't want to force or impose on other people. Right. And we're not getting those of us that feel that way. Aren't getting the same grace that we are offering those who do make a different choice. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying if their choice is right or wrong or good or bad, I'm not making any judgment over it. It's just, I'm just saying it's not right for me and you do you and, and God bless you. I hope that, you Mm -hmm. know, I hope it's amazing. Yep. Maybe you'll live forever. I don't know, but <laughs> maybe I'll be wrong at some point. I don't know. I'm willing to be wrong. But right that now- is my favorite thing to hear from a person is I am willing to be wrong. Yeah. You know, that's what something I talk about all the time is like in, in my book too, the best thing I ever was, was wrong. I thought I needed to look a certain way to be happy. Oh, wrong about that. That's great news. You know, I thought that God was a certain way based on my upbringing, but it turns out he's bigger than that and more loving than that. Well, that's a wonderful thing. Yay to be wrong there. You know, like all, you know, being wrong is the best thing that can happen to a human being. It is being wrong and being, um, being willing to admit that you may not know everything. Yeah. Imagine that. (laughs) And neither does the authority, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the thing is like nobody else, this is a radical thought nobody else can have your best interest at heart because they don't know your heart. Right. Right. Only you alone on your path can make the best decisions for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Whenever I say that word, the authority, now I think of the handmaid's tale. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think of it, uh, from a wrinkle in time. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's kind of, um, yeah, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, okay. Um, I'm going to look at the clock. All right. So I want to make sure I get in like everything I want to get in with you. Um, I wanted to ask you, oh, there was a quote you said, um, that I think is super interesting. You don't have to love what you look like. I thought that was just a very simple, but p- kind of profound thing to say. Uh, because that's what's up for a lot of people. You know, they don't love what they look like. So mm-hmm. hence they're jumping through hoops trying to change mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. So how do you say um, to be okay with that? Yeah. Well, it's kind of like, so what? So what? You Your perceptions have been hijacked by an industry that wants you to hate yourself. And so mm-hmm. it's going to be nearly impossible for you to ever look at your body and say, oh, I just absolutely love this because this is what the beauty standard is. 
yeah, that's not going to happen for most people, but like, you don't love what you look like. So what? That doesn't mean you can't love your life. It doesn't mm -hmm. mean that you can't have super fulfilling, loving relationships in your life. It doesn't mean that it doesn't feel wonderful to be in your body. It doesn't mean that you can't have the best sexual experiences. It doesn't mean mm -hmm. that you can't have all of these wonderful things. Now the beauty industry says all of that is on the other side of body modification, which is just always moving the carrot farther and farther. Yeah. And it's just the most empowering thing to be like, no, I want it now. Thank you very much. And it's yours for the taking, mm -hmm. you know, you, you don't, you don't have to make your subconscious, uh, completely accept that you match the beauty standard. Cause that's pretty impossible to do. Yeah. Yeah. You can still, you can still, to your point, love what you're, what you're able to do, yeah. what you're able to create, how you're able to be the kind of person you want to be, yeah, you know, like Exactly. I love that I can dance and express my, my emotions through movement, for example. Now I grew up in ballet culture, which is very, very body toxic. Um, so there's, I don't know if there's going to be a chance where I can actually be in a ballet studio wearing a leotard and be like, I love what she looks like in that leotard, but I don't have to be because I am focusing so much on, wow, I am expressing myself through movement and it feels so wonderful to be able to do this. Mm -hmm. And that's where I've trained my mind to go and everybody can train their mind to go there. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the perfect way to say it. It is a mind training. Mm -hmm. That that your whole your whole outlook, I always I have a saying, it's a mind your mind. Mm -hmm. And that's what it is. It is learning how to manage your your mindset. How, you know, what are you going to focus on? What kind of thoughts are you thinking on a regular basis? What is your patterned way of, you know, reacting and thinking about things? And it is all about mindset and mindset training. And so that's a big, that's a really good point um, because some people, uh, when they're not used to that, they don't think they actually have any control. <laughs> like it's right. like it's running itself, right. which it well, is if you let it. Yes, it does feel automatic, but the, you know, the process is, oh, it's automatic and then you're noticing you're having these automatic thoughts and then you can change them. Right. Exactly. Hey, do you have a going rogue story for me? Yes, I do. I, I was looking forward to this question so much Okay. because um, I, I feel like this is a good analogy for what I just talked about in terms of we're at this point where people need to ask, is this a reality that's been created for me or is this mm -hmm. a reality that my soul is telling me is true and that my intuition is telling me is true? So I had a past life awakening that just absolutely shattered my perception of reality. I was, I was 22. Um, and you know, at that point in my life, I was very religious. I was very scientific as well. Like that's where I found my identity. Reality was in this nice little box that mm -hmm. my religion and science prescribed for me. And it said, reality is this big. It looks like this time is linear you know, souls don't come back. <laughs> and, um, I, I had a, what's called a Kundalini awakening, um, mm. which is basically in ancient Ayurvedic literature, it's described as all this energy that's stored basically in your base chakra, aligning up all through the chakras. And when it comes out the top of the head, it's like this moment of enlightenment. And it really, it, it, it was spontaneous. And it really was a moment of like enlightenment. I was out in the ethers, um, realizing uh, that the earth is not what we think it is. You know, it's not the ultimate reality. <laughs> there is something much, much bigger. Um, and also realizing that there was this person in my life who I had known and loved for many lifetimes that this was not a new meeting. 
um, and that it was worth it for me to uh, overcome a lot of like social conditioning and social conventions to be with this person. Um, and I, I came out of that moment and I was just like, wow, I am facing the biggest choice of my life, which is, do I believe my soul? Do I believe the reality that I just experienced mm -hmm. or do I really believe the reality that has been dictated to me? And I chose to believe my soul. Wow. Yeah. So did you share that with anybody? And did they think you were like going way down the wrong path? I didn't um, share with my family or friends at that time because I didn't have words and I was so uncomfortable with how mm -hmm. I might be judged. Um, and what was beautiful was I did have spiritual teachers that came into my path at the right time. You know, I, I really believe that happens for people yeah. when we choose to be on the spiritual path. Mm -hmm. We're going to get the support we need because there was no way I could have, could have done that alone without, you know, somebody being like, okay, so, you know, here's what you, you might have been experiencing in terms of spiritual terms and other people have gone through this and, mm -hmm. um, you're, you're, you're going to be okay if, um, yeah, if you don't obey the, the thought systems that you right. grew up in. Right. So how did that, um, kind of awakening or that experience that new, new, that enlightened, you know, Mm -hmm. knowledge, so to speak, or knowing. So how did it change the course of your life then? Mm -hmm. I mean, besides going, okay, I don't have to believe this. What actually in, you know, boots on the ground, yeah. what changed? Well, that got me into the uh, abusive relationship that opened my eyes to so much of what came after. Um, you know, this, this man, I had this deep enduring soul love for, it turns out he was a psychopath. That opened my eyes in ways that were was profound. He was basically um, a dark magician who was a very uh, powerful energetic manipulator. So he worked on the spiritual realm. So this not only opened my eyes to psychopathic and narcissistic and abusive dynamics, it opened my eyes to spiritual warfare. It opened my eyes to um, the spiritual support that is available to us that I needed to learn how to call on, the spiritual gifts in myself that I needed to call on um, in order to save myself and get out of this relationship. Cause it became very, it became very, very dark and high stakes and, um, realizing how many other young women he had hurt. He basically would put young women under a spell, drink our life force and spit out the shells. Yeah. And I was just like, when I, I realized uh, after three years in that journey, uh, in that relationship, that was what was happening. And I needed to end the cycle. And it really was a spiritual training ground to see that dynamic happening on a global level, because that is happening on a global level. There are forces, there are people who are drinking the life force out of human beings and just spitting out the shells. Interesting. So mm -hmm. that experience, um, even though you, you, you had to go, you, you had to go through it. You went through it. Mm -hmm. I mean, you had to, or you wouldn't have, right. Yeah. Yep. I mean, that's just the reality of that. Um, but having gone through it, you've been able to probably see what's going on, you know, on many levels, on not many just levels. globally, from yeah. a whole new perspective that you may not have recognized before. Uh-huh. And I know that that was divine appointment, that I was in that situation for it, because I, yeah, I see what's happening on a spiritual level, on a psychic level, 
um, on a mental coercion level, because what is happening now is the dark forces in the world, they are pulling out all stops. They are battling on all those fields. And, you know, people who don't have personal experience with that or who are just can't comprehend true darkness there because before that experience I was you know a light-filled empath I I thought everybody was kind I couldn't have <laughs> comprehended true evil and that is what has given me wisdom mm. you know and mm -hmm. there's a lot of people who don't have that wisdom right now uh yeah. and it's it's important yeah, yeah. no I I agree there's um you know there's a there's a lot of um there's there's so many people out there that have uh, over the last, especially couple of decades, really just the last like 20 years and especially the last 10, really tapping into all of, you know, they're more, you know, empathic and their, you know, emotions and um, all about the love and all of those beautiful things. Mm -hmm. But, but there, as we touched on earlier, when we first started talking, um, but there seems to be a disconnect a little bit, not with everyone, but with, with many, with using some um, reasoning and logic and, yeah. bring, and how that works for the whole. And, and not only how it works for the whole, but how it works for the whole, the whole that includes a lot of people behaving badly, misbehaving, and, right. and not being willing to see that for what it is. Right. It, it's, it's a level of discernment that's missing. Right. And it's like, I really think the biggest threat in the world right now is well-meaning, but weak willed people, because we need to draw on the courage to stand our ground, to know our truth and to speak our truth. Um, and if we don't, then we can be pawns for dark agendas and dark people. There are a really, yeah. there are a lot of really good people who are being pawns for a dark agenda. I was there in my life. I was a pawn for a dark person. I'm glad I had that experience because now I can empathize. Now I can know at least to some degree, well, you know, here's the messaging that can help you get out of that situation. Yeah. Or here's yeah. what you need to look at. Yeah. Cause you can recognize it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I, my, my soul got eyes through that. <laughs> Exactly. Oh my gosh. Well, this has been, this has been amazing. There's so much more here, but I, you know, I just, I love everything that we talked about. The book is really special and I really enjoyed every bit of it. Um, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to, there's quite a few people that I'd like to suggest um, to read it. And um, I'm so grateful that you spent this time with us today. Oh, thank you so much, Lori. I just have so much admiration and respect for you. And it just feels wonderful to connect with somebody who's so you know, like-minded and on the same wavelength. I, I love it. Well, let's do more of it. And um, before I let you go, do you have any final, um, whether it's just tips or, or a thought that you'd like to share with everyone? Yeah. Uh, so I think something important to realize right now is that the human body is the most accurate truth sensing device, whether that's sensing the truth in your life, your relationships or the world at large. And, um, you know, that's why we've been divorced from our bodies intentionally. And there's just so much healing with getting, getting back in tune with that truth sensing ability within us. Perfect. I love it. So burn your bras if you want, wear your red lipstick if you want, whatever, feel good about it, do it for the right reasons. And 
That's a wrap, everybody. So thank you so much for spending time with me and Lauren today. Um, we hope that this conversation has given you a much deeper and broader perspective on the subject and, and how actually this subject is bleeding into the larger um, picture of what's happening. So, uh, hey, if you haven't already done so, please make sure to subscribe so that you don't miss any future episodes. Share the show. Spread the good shift around. Give us a five-star rating and a review. Your reviews really do help inspire other people to watch the show and listen to all the good shift being shared here. So until next week, my friends, stay feisty, stay healthy, and go make some epic shift happen in your lives. And that goes for you too, Mr. Gary V. No slacking.